to move. We invite you in and we say, Holy Spirit, move in this place that we would see lives changed before our very eyes in this place. Why? Because you are the way maker, because you are the miracle worker, and because you are the promise keeper. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, worship team. I said to Barry um, very late last night, I said, I, I don't normally have a situation where by this point on a Saturday night, I haven't got the message together. We are not lastminute.com people, right? And if anyone knows me just generally in life, I'm not a lastminute.com person. And late last night, I'm saying to Barry, I'm like, I'm just having to keep saying to God, what do you want me to say? And what do you want me to say? And I'm getting a little bit frustrated because I'm like, what do you want me to say? Because I'm not a lastminute.com person. And, you know, we'll prepare our preaching series in advance. They're very prayerful. They're led by the Spirit. But we are also mindful that sometimes those plans need to go out of the window because God says that there is something in a moment that needs to happen. And we are in a season as a church, or we have entered a season as a church, that God is doing amazing and miraculous things and has spoken over this house that this will be a house of miracles, collective miracles, that this house will be known for miracles, for the miraculous happening, not just as individuals, or they will continue, but collectively as a body of people, that we are going to see these things happen. And, you know, so often we just expect God to do the ordinary. We just expect, actually, if you think about what's your expectation, what are your expectation in your heart? Are you expecting the extraordinary? You're just expecting your life to continue the way it's always continued. You know, often when we're in a, a tough place, we're wanting a miracle. We're wanting God to do something. But when we're in a good place, well, we're okay. It's all ticking over and it's all great. And this is how we see life. But I would say in every season of your life and however life finds you, we should always expect the extraordinary always expect the extraordinary live expecting the extraordinary and so last night I was there and I'm on on my iPad and I had typed out so many messages I was going to preach today and then I was like dilly blank page I'll type this one dilly blank page and I'm like but for about 24 hours I've been at a verse, a line from a certain passage of scripture that kept going over and over and over in my mind. So I just was like, at one o'clock this morning, I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up that passage of scripture. Maybe I should have done it slightly earlier and just been obedient, but I didn't. So, I, and, and at one o'clock, bang, God said, this is what I want to say. And I'm like, so what I'm going to share and how, you know, probably the way you normally see us put messages together, it's like, no, that can sometimes become the ordinary, even though it's not, and we've, you know, the Spirit's led us, but, but I was like, oh, okay, so I, want, I need to craft this message, and then God was like, just give, like, just give, like, this is the passage of Scripture I want you to speak on, I'm going to tell you what I need you to say, just give it. And so the word, the, the, the title for this is a divine moment for your future. And God wants to speak into directly, specifically into areas of your life. Hallelujah. I believe this message is for every single person in this room, Hallelujah. if we're willing. Yeah. If we're willing. 
I believe that the promises that he's going to give to people today about certain areas of people's lives are going to be like a sledgehammer that are going to smash through chains that have broken, that have bound people for years and years and years. And this is a divine moment in your life if you will let it be. If you will let it be. You know, Abraham, if anybody's heard of Abraham, most people will have heard of Abraham. And he was known, obviously, of, of Abraham and Sarah, and they couldn't have children. And then Isaac came along, and the child of promise. But you know what Abraham was known for? He was known for his faith. And he was known for his faith before the child of promise. And it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That it, that is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He did not believe after God had created something out of nothing. He believed beforehand. So actually Abraham, as incredible as the story is, is actually credited for faith. He's credited for his faith. And so as I share today what God wants to speak out of this passage of Scripture, and literally I've just got a passage of Scripture that I'm going to read and a few notes that God spoke to me. As I read this, what I want to say to you is that you have to connect with it if you want your breakthrough. You have to connect to receive the promise that God has given you. You have to connect to receive the miraculous in your life. If you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm just going to weigh it out. Oh, I'm just going to try and work it all out in my head and I'll just take it home and I'll just mull it over. But if you are completely bought in to God and saying, God, I want to hear from you this morning. I want to be a part of being known as the house of miracles because my story will tell something of your greatness and your goodness. Then that's what Abraham believed. <laughs> He believed ahead of time. He believed ahead of the promise and he believed ahead of the miracles. And so God has spoken to me about seven areas that people are experiencing in their lives. And he's spoken out of this passage of scripture that I had one line for. And then as I read it, it was like suddenly, that was what, it just came like the spirit of God just brought it alive and God was like, this is what... I need you to speak about. And the passage of scripture is from Isaiah chapter 54. And the first person or people that God wants to speak to today are those that are living what has always been. So your life has always been a certain way and you are just living how it has always been. In verse 1, it says, Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Now, this could be for people who are struggling with childlessness. It could be that. But it could be anything that God is talking about. What God is saying here is, you've got to stop living as it's always been. You've got to stop declaring that your life
life is a certain way because as Hannah cried out in the story of Samuel before Barry read it, what happens is she's being taunted because she can't have children by by Elkanah's other wife and she goes to the temple and she cries out of deep anguish to God about her circumstance and her situation and she's crying out and Eli the priest thinks she's drunk because she's in such a distressed situation and she's almost kind of like behaving out of control and Eli challenges her and says about her being drunk and she's like I'm not I'm in deep anguish but here's the thing when she cried out to God about her circumstances she left and lived as if the miracle had already happened and a year later the miracle happened she didn't it says that she washed her face and she began to eat because she'd not been eating because of the anguish she was in it says she left the temple she washed her face and she went to eat some food because she knew that her God was good And so there are people in this room and you are living a certain way and proclaiming your life a certain way because it's how it's always been. But God is a God of the extraordinary. And God is saying to you today that your miracle awaits you. Your miracle awaits you. Hannah's miracle awaited her. That child awaited her. But she had to stop proclaiming the deep anguish. She had to stop proclaiming the childlessness. She had to stop proclaiming that and live in the miracle that awaited her. And so God is saying to people in this room today, you are living a certain way because it's always been that way. And in doing that, you are restricting me to the, and making me ordinary. And God is saying, I am the God of the extraordinary in your life today. The second one is a restricted dream. Verse 2 and verse 3 says, Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And God is saying today that for some people in here, you have got a vision and a dream that you know is from him, but your restrictions are stopping it from happening. Excuse me, for some reason my iPad just decided to crash. We're back on track. He has given you a dream and a vision, and you know that there is a dream and a vision and a calling on your life. But you have placed restrictions on it. You are holding it back. Why that is, I don't know. It could be a confidence thing. It could be because it just seems so far-fetched and so impossible. It could be that you just don't see how that could ever work. But the boundaries, God's saying, the boundaries you have put in place are the restrictions to the dream becoming a reality. It's not that God's being slow. It's not that God got it wrong. God is saying to you, no, the restrictions that you have put in place is what is delaying the dream becoming a reality. And God is saying to you, it's time to make room for it and to remove the restrictions. What is it in your life that you know that God has called you to? What is it that you know there is that stirring in your heart, that that there is that spiritual awakening within you for something and you're not stepping out on it? I get it. I get it. I lived quite a few years doing that. And I put restrictions in place. But I promise you, when I said, okay, God, I'll do it. Yeah. 
okay, God, I'll do it. He equipped me for everything I needed. But some of you are wondering, why has this dream never become a reality? And God is saying to you, because if you look in that scripture, it says, enlarge your house, build an addition. And then it says, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. You'll soon be bursting. Not okay. It's like, get ready for God. Make room for God. Make room for this dream to become a reality that he's placed within your heart. Because if you're not making room, if you're not doing what it needs, what needs to happen, if you're not doing that, then what you're saying is, well, God, when you do it, I'm going to make some room for you then. But God's like, no, because what's going to happen is, when I do it, it's going to be so vast. When I do it, it's going to be so big. When I do it, it's going to be so amazing that I need you to be ready. What is it that you need to do? Is it some kind of like teaching you need to do? Is it some kind of training you need to do? Is it simply just making yourself available to God and saying, I don't really know what it looks like, but I know you've called me for something, God. So I'm just going to do what's in front of me. I'm just going to take a step to be obedient, to walk in your ways. I'm just going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm actually going to speak to people. I'm actually going to say hello to people. I'm actually going to strike up a conversation with people because actually that's not something I do because I'm so quiet and because I'm so shy. I'm actually going to do that. What does it look like? But there is a dream and a vision that God has placed in your heart, but God says you have got to enlarge yourself ready for the miracle to come. You've got to enlarge yourself. It's time to make room, God is saying to you. It's time to make room. The restrictions that you have put in place have hemmed you in. You know when a plant starts to grow and it's in a pot? And there's a phrase called pot bound. And if you don't repot that plant in time into a bigger plot, into a bigger plant pot that looks too big for it, the plant will become pot bound. And there is no room for growth. There is no room for health because the plant becomes pot-bound and then the plant will eventually die. And that's the analogy I believe God's using for some of you today. It's time to move from the pot and to replant yourself into something bigger in your life to make room for what God is going to do in the dreams and the visions that he's given you. Number three, for some people, you're living in shame of your past. This is a big thing, you know. You'd be amazed how many people struggle with this. You're living in shame of your past. Verse 4 says, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. This is God speaking directly to some people in this room. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. I want to say to some people today that the scars you carry are not scars of shame. They are scars of a victorious life. When Jesus came out of the tomb and he was resurrected, just as God had said would happen, just as had been foretold, what did he carry? Scars. But they were scars of a life that had been resurrected. They were scars that showed the faithfulness of God. They were scars that showed victory. They were scars that showed the overcoming of death, the overcoming of the grave. They were scars of a story that brought glory to God. 
And some of you are looking at these scars that you're carrying and you're seeing them as shame. And I want to say to you, they're not shameful. Your scars are not shameful. Whatever you have been through in life, it's not shameful. Because God has healed you and God has restored you. God has made you beautifully complete. But you are aware of the scars and you think that those scars are because you should feel ashamed. But I want to tell you those scars are of a, are of a life that has overcome something. Those scars are of, are of glory to God. Those scars like Jesus showed, look, it's really me. Those scars are your story to say, look what God has done. Your, those scars are to say, I'm in a resurrected life because I gave my life to Jesus. And the enemy is keeping you trapped in shame because you are aware of what has gone on in your life. The enemy is keeping you trapped in shame because you know some of the things you've done. The enemy is keeping you trapped in shame because some people have told you you should be ashamed. Jesus did not die on the cross for you, for you to live in shame and because you should be ashamed of your past. The scars are your story. The scars are of a life that has overcome. The scars are the glory of God and the scars are the goodness of God. At no point was Jesus ashamed of his scars. In fact, it was the scars that helped Thomas believe. So if your scars are your story, how many people can believe through your scars when you tell your story of the goodness of God, of the redemptive power of God, of how he's put you back together? And he's not just put you back together, he's made you whole. It was the scars on Jesus that caused Thomas to believe, and your scars are your story that will cause people to believe in the power of God. God wants to speak to some people in this place today, and you are struggling with loneliness. You are struggling with a deep loneliness. A loneliness that isn't just that you feel like you don't have anybody, but it's a loneliness that is creating an anguish within you, almost like a grief, a feeling of grief. And in verse 5 and 6, it says, For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief, as though you were a young wife abandoned by your husband, says your God. And God is saying to those people that are struggling with loneliness, it's creating, uh, it's creating an anxiety, it's creating an anguish, it's creating hopelessness. It's, it's, I can't quite put it into words, but you... If, if, for those in the room that this is for, you will know that physical feeling that you are feeling through loneliness. It's like I can feel it, but I can't quite put it into words. But there is such a, such a sadness in your life. Such a sadness. And God wants you to know that the Lord of heaven's armies is your friend. He wants you to know that creator God is your father. For those of you who had fathers that have abandoned you, that have treated you badly, God wants you to know today, creator God is your father. 
For those that are desperate for a partner, God wants you to know today, creator God is your husband. He's your partner. And the Lord of heaven's armies, when you look around and you feel lonely, I want you to remember this today. The Lord of heaven's armies is my friend. The Lord, what a title. The Lord of heaven's armies is my friend. And the Lord is calling you back today from that place where you have sat with this grief and this anguish anguish that has been created by loneliness, where you have tried to fill it. You've tried to fill it with relationships. You've looked around and thought, well, if I do this or I do that, it's all going to make it okay and then I won't be lonely. But the true relationship comes from what God wants to bring into your life. And he's calling you back from that place of anguish, from that place of grief, from that place where you sit and you just feel like you have nobody and nothing. And he's saying to you today, every need I will supply. Everything you believe you would get from having other relationships in your life, God is saying to you, every need that you believe that will fill, I'm going to supply. I'm going to supply. For those living in a time of uncertainty and fear, verse 10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. Do you know he's faithful in his love for you? He's faithful in his love for you. And what he's saying is here when... Things in your life at the moment feel uncertain. You feel that there is a fear within you. You feel like things are shaking around you. He says, though the mountains may move and the hills disappear, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never, ever, ever be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. You've got to stop looking with your natural eyes on the situation that seems so shaken today. You've got to stop looking with your natural eyes and you've got to stop listening with your natural ears. Because here's the thing, with men, it all seems impossible. (laughs) Honest, I can't tell you the amount of things that seem impossible in my life. You want to have lived the last six weeks in our house? But when you stop listening with your natural ears and you start looking with your natural and you stop looking with your natural eyes and you say, No, God, I'm believing for the extraordinary. Everything enlarges. Why? Because you make room to let him in. And his faithful love to you will always remain. His covenant blessing to you will never be broken. He is God. You know, I wasn't going to share this, but I am going to share it. Um, So there was um, a a situation where God had provided a house for me and Barry. I'm not going to tell the testimonies for another time. But one of the times, and we were going to view it, and literally 20 minutes before, we'd had some bad news over it. And we arrived at the house, and the estate agent told us, basically, that someone was coming in to outbid us as well. And it was the first time we'd taken some of our children to see the home. And you stood on the doorstep thinking... Barry's saying, well, this is great. We're kind of getting the hopes up and it doesn't look like it's going to... But then we both talked. We're like, no, we believe God in the good and we believe God in the bad. You know, can I just say to you, like, either believe God or don't believe God. It's okay that you waver at times. I get that. But don't stay in it. 
when you get in that state, we're all human. Me and Barry had that moment where we were like, oh, it already felt like such a journey. And to be met with that, but then we had to go, no, we either believe God or we don't believe God. We believe God, we believe God. Right, then we're going to have to go in. We're going to have to go in. We're going to have to show these children around the house like it's our home. Can I say that it all felt a little bit shaken? Can, it fe- can I say it felt like things were disappearing? But we walked into one of the living rooms that we'd been in three times previous. And I kid you, Barry was off looking at other stuff around the house. And I kid you not, I stood there feeling a little bit, but we're going to believe God anyway. Because let's be honest, you know, we choose to believe God, but there's still that in you, where you? And I stood and I looked at the chimney breast. I thought, what's that written on the wall? Honestly, I kid you not, it took me days to get my head around this. And then I just had to put it down to, well, it's just God, isn't it? And he's extraordinary, and I'm just ordinary. And I'm trying to work it all out here. So when they stood on the doorstep telling us this news, me and Barry, first of all, are there and there. And then we had to go, no, no, we can't do that. So I walk into this room that I've been in three times previously on other visits. And I walk, and I thought, what's on the chimney breast? And I look. I kid you not, the name Vicky was written there. <laughs> I called our Charlotte in. I actually put my glasses on and read it again, right? I call our Charlotte and I say, Charlotte, what does that say there? She says, it says, Vicky. So I says, Adam, come on in here, because he'd been in the room three times previous as well. I said, what does that say then? He said, Vicky. I went, I'm having that. And I walked out the room and I went and I said, you will not believe it. I said, the name Vicky's written in that house. But... At that moment when we heard the news, we began to think with this, hear with this, see with this, and think with this. And we had to go, no, no. Matthew chapter 19, 26, Jesus looked at them intensely. This was not a passing comment. He looked intently. And he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, (laughs) everything is possible. Everything is possible. So when things seem like you're in a state of uncertainty, I want you to remember Jesus is looking intently. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Next one, those who are feeling battle-weary. You are feeling battered, bruised, weary, and you feel like you haven't got the strength for another day. God wants to say this to you. Oh, storm-battered city, troubled and desolate, I, God, will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations from lapis lazuli. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies, your gates of shining gems, and your walls of precious stone. I will teach all your children, and they will enjoy great peace. For the people who are weary, you're battle-weary. I feel like I'm just in a constant fight to overcome this. I feel like I'm in a constant fight with this person who doesn't believe what I'm trying to say. I'm just battle-weary. I'm just 
fed up. I don't feel like I can do it anymore. God wants to say to you, he is taking you today if you allow him. And he is not just going to build you with plaster. He's not just going to chuck a bit of cement on you. God is saying, no, I am going to rebuild you with precious jewels. Because everything that you have been through has cost something. And the cost on your life, I am going to turn it into something so precious that I am rebuilding your life. If you allow me, God is saying, that's key. If you allow me, I am not just going to put a few bricks on you. I'm going to rebuild you with precious jewels, with sparkling rubies, with gates of shining gems and your walls of precious stones. Because he's the God who rebuilds. He's the God who re-energizes. He's the God who strengthens you. And so if you're battle-weary in this place, God wants you to know, if you let me, I am going to rebuild you. Because those tears that you've cried, they've been costly. They've been costly. That that you've been through, it's hurt and it's cost you something. But God wants you to know, I've seen. I've seen what you've been through. I've seen those tears that you've cried in silence that nobody else would know about. God is saying, I have seen. And I am the glory and the lifter of your head. I am the one. And I am rebuilding your life if you allow me and make room for me. Last one, the oppressed. There's people in this room and you've been oppressed and held down and held back and pushed to one side and squeezed into a corner by situations and by people that you have felt, physically felt, held down and held back. You felt like your voice has been silenced because of this oppression that's been over you and this oppression has come through people and through situations. And you know exactly where this oppression has come from and that this being held back and it's being put down and you've not been able to fight against it. Because you kind of have believed what this person has told you, that this is all you're good for anyway. I believe that's for somebody. Someone, God is saying that somebody has told you what you are worth and you're just good enough for this. And God wants to say to you, no, you're not. No, you're not. It's a lie. It's a lie. You will be secure, the word of God says, under a government that is just and fair. If you live your life in the steps of God, if you live your life in the ways of God, if you live a life wanting to live it in a godly way, if you want to live a life in a righteous way, if you want to do that, the government of God over your life is just and it's fair. It's just and it's fair. Your enemies will stay far away. You will live in peace and terror will not come near. Look at this promise. Look at this promise. Take heart today, people. If any nation comes to fight you, it is not because I sent them. Whoever attacks you will go down in defeat. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You, you, who people have tried to oppress and hold down, and the worship team can come up at this point, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse him. You will do it. You will do it. The one who's not been able to find a voice because you felt so oppressed. God's saying, no, if you live, if you live under my ways, if you live with me as the head, 
You will be under secure, you'll be secure under a government that is just and fair. Not this other rule that's trying to rule over the top of you. And if you live his ways, he's going to give you the boldness to speak up. And he's going to give you the security that you need. I just quoted it before, but Psalm 3, verse 3 and 4 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I don't know who that has been for today. I would say that's been for everybody. But I don't know who it's, who it's gone in with. Because that's between you and God how you've received this message today. But what I do know is this is a divine moment for your future. We all want to make plans for our future. Can I say without God they are nothing. They'll come to nothing. You'll get exhausted in them. They won't work out like you thought they were going to work out. But it's a divine moment with God today for your future because those areas have been holding you back and as much as you ever tried to advance in your life, it's like you've had a bungee attached to your back and it keeps pulling you back. And every time you try and take another step forward, you get to a certain point and you come back and then you'll go again and then you'll come back and then you'll stop for a little bit because you're absolutely exhausted at training and then you're like, I'm going to have another go and you'll have another go and then you get pulled back and then you go, no, I'm going to go again. Because I want the things of God and then you'll get pulled back. But what God is saying today in those areas that he's spoken about, today, today, everybody say it, today, today is my day of freedom. Today is my divine moment where these things that have held me back, it's like the bungee is cut as we go into worship now, as we rise and worship, I believe that as you rise in the physical sense, it is an action of saying, God, I am responding. I am responding and that bungee will be cut. Those chains, those chains that have held you for so long, those chains of addiction that held you for so long, those chains of shame that have held you for so long, those chains of insignificance that have held you for so long. God is saying, if you will let me, I will smash through those chains and they'll never have you again if you walk in my ways. That passage of scripture finishes this way, this, this way and then we're going to go into worship. Verse 17, these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. You've got to know the Lord to enjoy his benefits. You've got to trust God with your life to enjoy these benefits. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. 